Welcome to Commonwealth Magazine's podcast in partnership with Transit Matters. I'm Jim Aloisi, a board member of Transit Matters. And I'm Mark Ibunia. I'm the co-founder and president of Transit Matters. We're joined today by Patrick Sullivan, executive director of the Seaport Transportation Management Association, otherwise known as the Seaport TMA. Patrick's been executive director of the TMA at the Seaport District since July of last year. The Seaport District is perhaps Greater Boston's most active and vibrant development district, a symbol of economic growth in the 21st century Boston region. That explosive growth has had significant impacts on mobility in the district, and our guest is a key point person addressing mobility in the Seaport. Patrick, please tell us a little bit about the Seaport TMA, what you do, and a little bit about your role. Sure, Jim, and thank you to both you and Mark for having me uh, part of the podcast today. So the Seaport TMA, Transportation Management Association, um, is a membership-based organization working with the employers in the South Boston waterfront to improve mobility, advance economic development, and promote the public realm in the South Boston waterfront. So we do this in a few different ways. By implementing transportation demand management programs that give commuters choices, things like guaranteed ride home programs, um, carpool matching, bicycle and pedestrian education and awareness programs. Um, and something we like to do is go on site at employer to, to visit our member companies and um, talk to them about what their commuter choices are, help them uh, figure out how to get out of their single occupancy vehicle and use public transportation. Um, we also work quite a bit with the other state and city agencies um, that have jurisdiction in the seaport. So Massport, the Boston Planning and Development Agency, um, the Convention Center, um, MassDOT, MBTA. You know, th- we work very closely with them on transportation issues within the, within the South Boston waterfront. Um, and we do a lot working with those agencies to both plan and advocate for better transportation options within the seaport. Very good. Yeah. Well, so uh, it, it sounds to me a lot like uh, the TMAs and the other parts of the city. And so, so your what is your your the scope of, of the T, the the Seaport TMA? Sure. So the jurisdiction, so to yeah. speak, that we yeah. cover um, is um, the eastern side of the Four Point Channel, down towards the Reserve Channel. Mm-hmm. Um, so the um, Four Point neighborhood as well. Um, as well as the Flynn Marine Park. Um, we have members in all of those areas. Um, there are 15 TMAs in Massachusetts, actually, and um, the, each TMA has a defined geography. Some are one specific area, like the seaport. Others are much larger geographic areas covering 10-plus communities, um, mostly in the suburban area. Right. So yeah, because I think previously we've we've had on the pod, on the Transit Matters podcast we've had a few. Uh, we've had the executive director, I think, of the Charles River TMA, and so we heard a little bit about um, the transportation challenges that they're trying to solve there. So uh, so I think the the issue that is on everybody's mind, if you've ever been trying to get around the seaport in a vehicle that uh, is not a bus or even in a bus, um, that traffic seems to be getting worse. Is that is is that what you're hearing from members? And I guess uh, how how is that how has that changed the dynamic with with some of the the, the members that um, that are in the the seaport and, and folks who aren't already members? Are you getting are getting more interest from folks to to find ways uh, to get employees to work on time? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, 
traffic is is challenging in the seaport, and I don't want to undersell that. Um, but something that I found interesting when I started in this role as executive director last July was I met with as many of our member companies as I could, and I asked them, what are the big pain points for you and your employees in regards to transportation here in the seaport? And while some of them certainly brought up traffic, vehicle traffic um, and signal timing, things like that, Far and away, the two issues they brought up that they thought would improve mobility and make their companies better places to work were improving the Silver Line, um, adding more vehicles, and as well as water transportation, which is um, really an untapped resource, um, not just in the seaport, but throughout Boston. Mm -hmm. Um, So those were the two issues that were identified by my members, and those are two issues that we've been working on quite a bit as an organization over the past eight, nine months um, to address. Um, In terms of traffic, I think with all of the development occurring and all of the construction, temporary lane closures and things of that nature that are happening, um, it's only natural that there's going to be traffic and also the impression of traffic um, because of the delays that people will be facing. Um, But I think overall, um, really what people in the seaport want to see are improved mobility options. like public transportation, like buses, like pedestrian and cycle options, um, and again, water transportation. Yeah. Well, so actually, so you you guys don't own any ferries or or you you don't own the Silver Line. So mm-hmm. how do you? So how have you been working on improving those options for your members? Sure. So um, with regards to water transportation, we've been working very closely with the Convention Center, Massport, the City of Boston, on um, a business plan to look at water transportation between um, ferry service between North Station and the South Boston Waterfront. Um, the South Boston Waterfront Sustainable Transportation Plan found that about 4,000 pe- commuters every day are coming into North Station and then proceeding on to the waterfront. And right now, from survey data that the Seaport TMA has collected, the vast majority of those commuters are then getting into private shuttles to get to the seaport. So we think there's a real opportunity to move those commuters from uh, land-based transportation to the water. We worked, again, with those same partners, the city, the convention center, Massport, and some of the um, ferry operators this summer to do a couple demonstration rides where we took people out on Boston Harbor. We went up to Lovejoy Wharf, Wharf, which is next to North Station, um, and then um, sailed back to um, the South Boston Waterfront. Was that, was that a useful test? Was that a pilot program? What kind of- I, w- I wouldn't call it a pilot program. What I would call it is just um, taking people out and letting them see for themselves how fast and efficient it can be to go from that point A to point B. It's 13, both rides, it was 13 minutes to get from the from Lovejoy Wharf to the South Boston waterfront. Because that doesn't, all, when you land at Lovejoy Wharf, you don't have to go through the locks that are that gets you into the the, uh, the Charles River Basin, right? Correct. Correct. And to be clear, right now there's work underway to um, rebuild the dock at Lovejoy Wharf. Um, so we couldn't start ferry service tomorrow even if we wanted to because that work is still underway. Um, but later this year that should be wrapped up. Um, so we think there's real potential there for, for, um, for water transportation. So we're working on this business plan to identify how we would pay for this service, who would operate it, who would manage it, um, what ridership would look like. And we think that by June, when the, the consultant comes back with um, their findings, that we will hopefully be able to pilot something later this year, um, do a small demonstration project to really see, um, to show people what, 
the potential that water ferry service holds for the South Boston waterfront. Right? You said 4,000 people each day commuting from North Station to the Seaport District for mm -hmm. jobs. Do we have any metrics on how many, what, like what's the current employment overall in the district and is, are there projections about the growth that we see where that's headed? Yeah, so I'm, I've been trying to get a hold of what that number is myself. Um, it, it's growing rapidly, obviously, as new buildings come online, new employers move into the South Boston waterfront. I do know that from the recently released Go Boston 2030 plan, um, there were projections for how much additional development could will occur by 2030, as well as population growth and employment growth. Um, and those numbers were significant. Um, I wish I had it here in front of me, but I, I want to say that the numbers, you know, somewhere between 15 and 20,000 additional employees. Additional employees. Yeah, that sounds about right. And then we've got uh, also a growing residential population, don't we, in the Seaport District? Correct. Um, just later um, this summer, um, two major residential buildings will be opening up on Seaport Boulevard, the, the Benjamin and the Via, with over 800 units between the two buildings. Um, and then construction just started at what's called blo uh, Block M yes. on Seaport Boulevard. That will bring another 700-plus residential units. And presumably those residential uh, folks are going to have uh, somewhat different mobility needs. They're going to want they'll, they're going to be more pedestrian-oriented, presumably. They're they may work be in more the district. They may work in the district. They're going to be, in theory, more transit-oriented. So it sort of behooves people to think about the district, um, perhaps not just as a job center, which it really is, but also as a growing residential community. That's very true. And hopefully for those commuters making a reverse commute out of the seaport in the morning, um, there's capacity available on the Silver Line. Um, it's really the South Station to Seaport in the morning that um, we find the Silver Line over capacity during peak. Um, so I think there's the public transportation options are going to be there for those commuters commuting out in the morning. Um, but to your point, you're absolutely right. The, those, com those residents are going to demand a walkable, vibrant neighborhood. Um, but what I've seen from the development that's occurring now and that's planned is there's certainly a lot of, um, a lot of that in mind. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I, I hate the expression that sometimes I hear in connection with the Seaport District, which is, well, we're a victim of our own success. Um, I think we're a victim of our own former lack of planning and thinking it through carefully enough, frankly. Uh, but now we are where we are. Um, to build a little bit on this issue of residential community, not just for that purpose, um, I have found um, the Seaport District to be not the most pedestrian-friendly environment in the city. But I know that you, uh, in connection with the work you're doing at the TMA, have been exploring some wayfinding and other ways in which to make that pedestrian experience a little bit uh, better for people. Can you talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. It's something we're really excited about. Um, so we've been working, again, with this same group of stakeholders, the Convention Center, the um, Mass Port, Mass Dot, the City of Boston, on a pedestrian wayfinding program. Um, we've been working for several months now um, on developing a series of over 70 signs that will be hung permanently throughout the South Boston waterfront. So from South Station through the Fort Point neighborhood down to the Flynn Marine Park, um, that will include uh, key destinations, walk times, um, symbols to indicate where public transportation are, is, where um, restaurants are, where museums are. Um, so we think this is going to be incredibly valuable for not just those new residents moving into the neighborhood, but for the 
millions of folks that are visiting the seaport every year, whether it's because they're going to a convention at the convention center or the World Trade Center or coming into Boston at the um, cruise terminal. Um, there's over 150 cruise ships will be coming into the cruise terminal this season. Um, and many of those people um, are, are exploring the seaport district by foot, or at least walking from the cruise terminal to other destinations like Faneuil Hall. So we think it's critical that it's we make the neighborhood more easy to navigate on foot. And I think this pedestrian wayfinding program will really accomplish that. Absolutely. It, so it sounds uh, similar to uh, the information and wayfinding totem poles that have been installed by the downtown business, uh, sorry, the, uh, yeah, the downtown business improvement district um, here in downtown Crossing. So is there continuity with, with, what, uh, with what they're doing? Does it look similar? Um, and, uh, and, and when can we expect them to go into the, into the ground? Sure. So we would have loved to have done a full program similar to what the bid did. Those signs are, are phenomenal. Um, we were working on a much smaller budget. Mm -hmm. And so um, the signage that you will see, it's standard uh, street signage affixed to existing poles, a few new poles. Um, they're 18 by 24, 18 by 30 signs. Um, the look and feel of them is a lot different, but we think the information is great. And we're hoping that by the end of this month, some of the first signs will um, be installed um, and they'll be installed over the course of several weeks. Excellent. So I'm, uh, going back to that South Boston waterfront plan, which uh, wayfind, improving pedestrian wayfinding was one of the, one of the, the, the findings of that report. Um, for, for listeners out there, you, you, can, you can search for this report, which uh, was actually something that uh, came out in January of 2015 um, a result, as a result of, uh, you know, months of, actually almost a year, over a year of feedback mm -hmm. uh, from local businesses, residents in South Boston, uh, and included participation by, the, uh, by MassDOT, the state DOT, by MBTA, the Massachusetts Convention Center Association, and then also uh, Massport. Um, so, uh, and, I, and I believe that at the time uh, the uh, Seaport TMA was also involved in, in, in being participatory in that. So can you tell us a little bit more about uh, what's going, what, what, what was prescribed in that report in addition to the, the, the wayfinding improvements? Um, and, and I guess where do we stand today as far as, uh, as, you, as the, the TMA's role in, in achieving the, the things that we had been trying to uh, address in the, in, the, in the Seaport plan? So, so the plan came out in 2015, and at that time, it made short-term, um, mid-term, and long-term recommendations for transportation improvements in the South Boston waterfront. Um, and some of the more long-term recommendations were more infrastructure-intensive recommendations, exploring um, heavy rail options to come into the district, things like that. Um, more near-term were things like pedestrian wayfinding, um, some roadway improvements that would improve the pedestrian experience, um, and water transportation, um, consolidation of uh, the private shuttles that operate in the seaport. Um, so, so far, um, looking at the list of accomplishments, um, we have pedestrian wayfinding, which will be implemented very soon, which we're really proud of. And I speak on behalf of not just myself, but all of those other agencies that you named that were part of the plan and have been working on uh, the pedestrian wayfinding program. Um, also, the, the convention center since late 2015 has been working on developing a consolidated shuttle program, um, which has been successful in... Uh, preventing additional shuttle vehicles from hitting the road. Um, so right now the convention center shuttle 
um, serves Vertex Pharmaceuticals, um, 100 Northern Ave, where um, Goodwood Proctor's headquarters is, 101 Seaport Boulevard, uh, the PWC building, and one Marina Park Drive building. Um, so um, rather than all four of those buildings having their own shuttle um, or having their own couple shuttles, um, the, they're consolidated with one operator that has improved headways and actually reduced the net number of shuttles operating within the district. Um, Can anyone um, use that shuttle, or do you have to have some kind of authorization uh, to use it? I've never ridden those shuttles, but from what I understand, they're for the employees of the participating companies only. So you have to have a badge or something to some, use it. Something yes. like that. The, you know, the employers that operate shuttles... Um, you know, in, in my opinion, have, have really been doing um, great work by providing this option for their employees to encourage them to use transit to get to work and bridging those last mile gaps between whether it's North Station or South Station. Um, what, what we found over time is that there's this um, competition for curb space mm -hmm. at North Station and South Station. So I think that was really the impetus for looking at um, shuttle consolidation. You, know, you also factor in trying to reduce VMT and trying to um, in improve the overall utility of the service um, has, was factored into that as well. Massport did a really good job um, consolidating all of its rent-a-car ser services under one bus system at Massport when it built a consolidated rent-a-car facility. And so it would be nice if the Convention Center Authority could basically assume a similar role, which sounds like they're beginning to do, um, you can't really require someone who's running a shuttle, I suppose, to, to stop running it. But the city might be able, through a variety of regulatory means, yeah. sort of force the issue to say, we want to do in the Seaport District something similar to what Massport has very successfully done at the airport through the Consolidated Rent-A-Car Facility, which has reduced VMT within the airport, improved emissions, and frankly created a much more efficient way for people to get around Logan who are using rental facilities. Yeah. And, and actually, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll quickly apologize to the City of Boston staff who are who were participatory in that plan, and I actually did not mention them as, as one of the part participants in that study, because actually one of the recommendations uh, under transportation demand management that is uh, dealing with uh, mitigation of folks, uh, of, of the, the need to have everybody in their own cars, is the suggestion of a TDM ordinance, uh, which something it's just something that... Uh, the um, apparently the city of Cambridge has and um, is recommended here as a model for the way that we could uh, form a requirement for for employers to participate in this in this TDM program. So uh, I guess it sounded like it looked like you were going to add on to that about about uh, TDM and where where you guys are with the city on that. Could you for our listeners? Yeah. Can we also explain to them briefly what we're talking about when we use an acronym like TDM? Oh yes. So yeah. yeah t sorry. Transportation demand management again being the uh, the ways the programs and and strategies under which you uh, provide people with mobility options other than cars to reduce the uh, dependency on traffic or uh, pressure for uh, parking. Absolutely. And, um, and that's at the heart of what the Seaport TMA does. Um, the city of Boston um, for major developments has TAPA agreements, Transportation Access Plan Agreements, um, which they put in place on a case-by-case, -case, or it, they put it in place for every development over a certain size, but what the TAPA entails can vary according to the project. Um, and we have seen in, in TAPA agreements, there have been um, certain 
TDM measures prescribed. Some of them include TMA membership and some have include shuttle participation. I think what some will find over time is that um, the, the shuttle participation will be, would perhaps become mandatory. Um, we do see that in Cambridge with their um, PTDM requirement, um, which is um, quite the model that has been applied in municipalities around the country, um, where they're not just imposing these requirements, but they require uh, the employers, the developer, to report on an annual basis on what they're doing to reduce drive-alone trips, and there's some strict penalties involved for not achieving goals with the Cambridge requirement. Yeah, I, I, I've actually uh, had some conversations um, with BTD about that sort of stuff, and I and I personally am involved in um, some development processes in my neighborhood in Roxbury, and I've and uh, it it's it does seem like a constant uh, almost. Over, overly frustrating, overly uh, uh, bespoke method of, of trying to, to deal with transportation issues in a district to do it develop my de- development by development rather than uh, as a sort of district-wide or, or even city-wide ordinance. So it's, uh, so do we, do we have an idea about where the, are, you, are we at liberty to say where the city is on, on, on that? Have you, uh, are we, are we there yet? <laughs> I, I don't have the answer to that. Yeah. I do know though that, that in the Go Boston 2030 plan, yeah. um, one of the 58 prescribed policy or infrastructure improvements was a TDM office within BTD mm-hmm. that would, I think, look more seriously at TDM and how it can be applied to different developments. Yeah. As you think about the future of the Seaport District, what are the what are the, what's the short list of of challenges that you worry about or think about most in terms of things that we need to be sure we're acting and working on today to get right? Because if we don't, five years from now or seven years from now, we'll really regret it. Well. Water transportation is certainly one of those things, and I think we're on the right track right now because not only are we doing our small study looking at uh, water transportation in the South Boston waterfront, but our friends at the Boston Harbor now are just about to embark on a much larger year-long study looking at water transportation, not just in the harbor, but throughout Massachusetts Bay. Um, And I think that's important because I think what that study will show is that not only that, that there's a lot of commuters that want to use water transportation from the North Shore, from the South Shore, to get to the jobs in the seaport. Um, so I, I, I'm optimistic that we're heading in the right direction there. Something else that I think is critical is to um, add capacity to the Silver Line. If you look at the Silver Line right now with the 32 vehicles that the T has that can operate in those tunnels, um, you know that, that's an aging fleet, and there is no immediate plan for procuring new vehicles. Um, but with the growth of the seaport, both in terms of residents, in terms of jobs, in terms of square footage that's being developed, I think it's really important um, that we add vehicles to the Silver Line and that we look at options for expanding the Silver Line routes, making it um, more efficient as it operates within the South Boston waterfront. Um, so so that's that's one of my major concerns. It's something that our organization um, is, is talking a lot about with people that are, are looking at transportation within the district as well. That's good to hear. One of the, I think we'll be having a podcast sometime over the next several months on the notion of, of improving Silver Line service by adding to it along Summer Street. There's been some discussion, as you know, among a few people about think, looking at bus rapid transit, Silver Line service connecting South Station to the Convention Center along Summer Street, and then 
into Logan and then also into EDIC, uh, the Maritime District, mm -hmm. as a way to relieve the existing Silver Line, which is at capacity. Um, and I think it's important for people to realize that this is not just important for people who live there. So many people are coming to the Seaport District, to the Convention Center, for example, or the hotels. This is their first impression of Boston. And we want it to be the best impression they can have. And so investing in improving mobility, whether it's from a pedestrian perspective, a traffic congestion perspective, or a transit perspective, really matters for the city, not just for our folks, but for the impression we're leaving others who may want to then leave with a good impression to come back, to invest, and to stay here. I agree. And, and I bump into visitors to Boston all the time on the Silver Line that are just delighted by the fact that their ride from Logan was free. Um, a bit of an unexpected surprise for them. Right. And then they um, get into the rest of the system for free. <laughs> and that's right. Yeah. Um, I just, just yesterday, yesterday I, I told a gentleman at South Station, no, you don't have to pay when you get on the red line if yeah. you came off of the silver line. Um, so, yeah. so I think that, that's, that's one great thing that the, the T and Massport has, has done. I hope they think creatively um, other options like that. Um, I do see here, though, uh, the MBTA is working on their uh, their sort of fleet plan, and they are planning in 2018 for a, a silver... They are thinking, at least, about this procurement, um, and they're trying to figure out... They're trying to be more proactive, or at least the FMCB is. Um, but it's, it's interesting that we do still... Uh, there are still capacity challenges, and in many ways, um, you know, we've been talking about here on Transit Matters uh, the need to not just add vehicles, but make those vehicles more productive by making them, not allowing them or not requiring them to sit in traffic with more uh, single occupant vehicles. So I guess, um, is, is there any work uh, on your end with the city of Boston to uh, to also add sort of queue jumps or change the, the street design so that way, not just MBTA buses, but then also uh, uh, Seaport TMA bus shuttles can also be more productive in the time that they, they have on the road? Yeah, there's um, work underway right now to look at an adaptive single signal program for the entire seaport district. So within the seaport, you have uh, traffic signals that are owned and controlled by the city of Boston, by Massport, by MassDOT. And there's work underway to make sure that they're all aligned, that they're talking to one another, and that we're implementing the latest technology so that um, they're, they're more flexible and can help move traffic through the district better. And I think that is an example of something where, particularly around D Street, that could help the flow of, <laughs> of the silver line uh, as it makes its way across D Street. Yeah, I think, I think that's a, a particular pinch point. Uh, a psychological pinch point for a lot of people who are trying to rush to the airport and if they're not taking a lift they're, they're like well now I'm standing here at D Street and then on top of that they unfortunately also have to we we occasionally see people complaining also about the way that shuttles uh, end up having to stop over at the consolidated rental facility but that's a completely different subject <laughs> for a different day um, so uh, yeah can, can you tell us a little bit more as we wrap up here um, what's what's next up on the uh, on the uh, I guess the agenda for the for the Seaport TMA? Well, something we're excited about that we'll be doing this summer is starting in May. Um, every other Wednesday, we're going to be having uh, free bike repairs for our members on the Seaport Green next Great to the District Hall. Um, so we think that we're really excited about that. That's one way for us to help encourage cycling um, within within the commuter base that we have access to. Um, Again, uh, getting that pedestrian wayfinding program up and running, we're, we're excited about that. 
Um, and we're going to be looking to the future to see what other ways that our organization can work with the stakeholders within the Seaport District to help improve mobility. Speaking of bikes, do you guys do some special like group bulk uh, corporate programs with uh, to facilitate uh, memberships with Hubway, or are you separate from Hubway, or do you guys have any relationship with with that bike share program? Um, not at the moment, but it's something we've been talking to Hubway about. We would love to have a stronger partnership and push more of our members towards some t- type of discounted membership. Um, some of our, our member companies do offer that discount to their employees because they're Hubway sponsors, which okay. is great. Yeah. Um, I, I wish that's uh, that's absolutely one of the directions that we need to go, and especially making sure that uh, people who are using Hubway also feel safe on the roads that we, mm-hmm. uh, that we have in the seaport. So, uh, and that's... Uh, yet a work in progress. So So we've been talking with Patrick Sullivan, the Executive Director of the Seaport TMA. Thank you, Patrick, uh, for being our guest today. During this the year, Transit Matters podcast will periodically be focusing on mobility issues connected with the Seaport District because we view this as a critical issue for both the city of Boston and the greater Boston region. I'm Jim Aloisi. And I'm Mark Ibunia. We thank you for joining us and look forward to the next podcast in connection with Commonwealth Magazine. Sunshine came softly through my window today.